Welcome to the Starkville State of Mind Podcast. Here is your host, Justin Strawn. Welcome to the Starkville State of Mind Podcast. I am your host, Justin Strong. Glad to be with you for the late week edition of the show. Got a good show lined up for you today. We are going to be discussing, for the most part, men's basketball. The men's team got a huge road victory this past Tuesday night against the Florida Gators, 78-71. to A big boost to their tournament resume. We will discuss that and what all it means for the Bulldogs going forward here in the next little bit. We will also look at, hopefully by the time... I get done doing that. The Mississippi State women's basketball team will have polished off Auburn. They're in a little bit of a dogfight with the Tigers right now, so I'm planning to look at that. And the we'll also kind of check back in with KJ Costello stuff and possibly even a little bit with Mississippi State's baseball team. So we've got a lot to discuss. So let's go ahead and jump right into it after we hear about Cherokee Valley Golf Course. If you're a golfer and you live in the Greater Memphis area, you're probably just like me looking for the best opportunity for you to spend your golfing time wisely. Well, why not look and check out Cherokee Valley Golf Course? My son and I golf there almost every single time we go out, and it's a great course whether you're a skilled golfer looking for a challenge or if you're a beginner somewhat like me and just trying to learn how to play the game. My son and I have been playing there for years, and we would highly recommend it. They've done a great job of keeping the course maintained. It's a beautiful course, lots of wonderful practice facilities, no reason that you shouldn't be out there honing your game. So if you're in the Olive Branch area or in the greater Memphis area, give Cherokee Valley Golf Course a look and go ahead and tell them I sent you. That's Cherokee Valley Golf Course. You can call them at 662-893-4444 or you can book a tee time online at olivebranchgolf.com. All right, before we jump into the show, let me remind you that if you are not a fan of the SoundCloud app or if there's any other reason why you would like, any other way that you would like to listen to the show, I do have a few other methods out there for you. There is the iTunes app on your iPhone or your iPad, whatever whatever Apple device it is that you might prefer. I do have it available through it. You can always drop us a five-star review there. That would be fantastic if you did so. Uh, write us a review. Just tell us what you think of the show. It would help me get the show out to other listeners quite a bit. I also have it available through Spotify if you like to use your Spotify account to listen to podcasts. I have it there as well for you. And of course, there is also the Google Play Android store for Android users. So I try to cover all the bases. If you would, whatever one, whichever one you prefer, like I said, I try to have it out there for all of you. So. All right, let's go ahead and get into the actual heart of the show. And like I said at the beginning of the show, we are going to be discussing mainly Mississippi State's win over the Florida Gators this past Tuesday night and what it might mean for the Bulldogs as they head to take on the Tennessee Volunteers this weekend in Starkville. They come return home. Look, that game was just a really, really interesting game that the Bulldogs played against the Florida Gators. They... They did a lot of what we kind of thought they would in turn at the very beginning. Mississippi State got off to a really bad start. And they, they get off to bad starts on a very regular basis. This It's just a hallmark of this team. And they ended up just really kind of wowing us the rest of the way. Because Mississippi State was down 36-20 to 20 at one point in the first half. Probably about, I don't know, probably about the eight-minute mark or something left in the, in the first half. Uh, they get down 36-20. They're down by 16 points. They're not doing much of anything. Well, they they were shooting the ball okay, but Florida was shooting the ball lights out. They were hitting 
all their threes. They were shooting a high percentage from the field, and Mississippi State was turning the, was turning the ball over. And then something happens, and things start to click, and that's when Mississippi State starts to make their comeback. They ended up outscoring Florida by 17 points in the second half. They outscored them 43-26. to They ended up winning 78-71, to and they just outplayed the Florida Gators. They ended up, let's see, they had a total of... They shot 53.8% from the field. Florida shot 44.8. They shot 58.3% from three-point range. Florida shot 38.1%. Uh, Mississippi State shot 88.2% from the free throw line. Florida shot 786 Uh Some other things that stick out in terms of team, uh, team stats anyway. Uh, turnovers, I think, is the one area where Mississippi State allowed them to actually stay in the game. Yeah, that's what it is. Mississippi State had 15 turnovers, seven by Reggie Perry. What's interesting about this game for Reggie Perry is if he had not done so much and if they had not win, he could have been just as much, you know, the guy that they looked at and said, boy, he, he cost his chance to, to win this game because he ended up getting seven, having seven turnovers, but a lot of it was offset by the fact that he had 27 points, which was a career high. So really good game for him, but those seven turnovers, especially a lot of them came there at the very beginning of the game when Mississippi State dug themselves into such a large hole and they were struggling to get out of it for, for much of the first half. They eventually did, obviously, but that first half was... It was pretty rough for the Bulldogs in terms of turnovers and taking care of taking care of the basketball. But he ends up coming out of that uh, looking pretty good, like a 27 points, eight rebounds. You also had 16 points from Robert Woodard, two of two from three point range. Reggie Perry was three of three from three point range. As a matter of fact, Tyson Carter, uh, he was only one of three from three point range. Uh, so interesting game by him as well. But probably the one guy who isn't getting enough recognition throughout for this performance and for the fact that the Mississippi State won is Nick Weatherspoon. And this is where finally starting to see the Nick Weatherspoon that we thought we would see this season. Once he got, once he got back from that suspension, there was a lot of us thought that this team could find a different level once they got him back. And we're now starting to see it. We're now starting to understand just why everybody was saying that because of the fact that Nick Weatherspoon at first was playing really badly and he he just seemed to be actually messing things up more than he was helping but now that he seems to have kind of found his rhythm gotten back in the flow and understanding his role with the team he's becoming more of an actual point guard if you can get eight assists and just a one turnover from Nick Weatherspoon you're doing really good and look the, the 13 points that he chipped in as well that's fantastic but he needs to be taking care of the basketball, and he needs to be he needs to be distributing and getting his teammates involved in the scoring just as much as he's doing that for himself. And that's what they really need from Nick Weatherspoon, and they got it in abundance this past Tuesday night against the Florida Gators. So just a really good win. It was a it's a tier one win, a quadrant one. Excuse me, when we get the actual phrase right, but it is a quadrant one win. It's a much-needed quadrant one win because Mississippi State didn't have any. I'm assuming that Arkansas is no longer a quadrant one win. They had risen up to be one because when they went to, after their game on 
Saturday this past weekend, they actually rose up to 28th, but then they lost to South Carolina at home on Wednesday night. So I'm assuming that they are below 30 now because you got to be if you're going to get a win at home, it's got to be top 30 for it to be a quadrant one win. And yeah, they fell from 28th to 38th, so it was a it was a pretty big tumble for. For the Razorbacks, but Mississippi State now sits at number forty-one, and I'm uh, sorry, forty-three in the net rankings. They were forty-one on Thursday. I'm sorry, on Wednesday, they are now forty-three. So they fell two spots after uh, the games got played on Wednesday night. But so they're they're forty-third in the country in the net rankings. They've got a really good shot to make it to the SEC, to not the SEC, to the NCAA tournament. Now, in terms of just the in terms of just the SEC, look, they've got a chance to be a top four team in the SEC. They're currently in like a six-way tie for for fourth place. Uh, I, I'm not going to try to go through everybody, but I know Texas A&M is there at four and three. I know, I think South Carolina is now there at four and three as well since they beat Arkansas. You've got Alabama there, so and there's a couple other teams. I can't remember everybody. And I think Florida is one of them as well now because that, that loss dropped them to four and three. So there's a lot of teams at four and three. But I've talked about this in previous shows. I don't remember if I talked about it on the last one. But Mississippi State has the easier part of their schedule coming down the stretch. They've now played seven games. They have 11 games remaining. And if you look at, like, projections, like the advanced analytics that, like, give, like, win percentages and predicted scores and things like that, Mississippi State is predicted to win and is favored to win in nine of their remaining 11 games. And there are seven of them in all likelihood that they really can't afford to lose. So if you can just win, you know, if you win those nine, you're looking at your team. I'm not saying that they will. Let me just go ahead and put that out there. If they win, but if they do go nine and two in their final 11 games, they're, that means they're, they're 13 and five overall in the SEC. That's going to be a top four team in the SEC. That's a tournament. That is easily a tournament team. That's a possible four seed in the NCAA tournament, especially if they can get, you know, some wins against some of the, the bigger competition. The only games that they're not supposed to win from here on out is the games against Kentucky. I think that's on Tuesday of next week, Tuesday or Wednesday. I got the schedule on in front of me. I'm not sure why I'm not looking at it. Uh, let's see. When do they play Kentucky next week? Yeah, it's on Tuesday the 4th at 8 p.m. And the only other game that they're not really supposed to win is against Arkansas when they play in Fayetteville. But honestly, when I look at that game, I, I don't see how Arkansas, unless Arkansas just starts hitting open shots and they get start knocking down threes, that's going to be the only way that they're going to be able to counteract Reggie Perry, who is just – this one I was about to get to, if they go 9-2, if they end up with 12 or 13 wins in the SEC, it's going to be because Reggie Perry keeps playing the way that he is, and he is going to be the SEC player of the year. It'll be the first, if that ends up happening, be the first time since Lawrence Roberts in 2004. And you've got yourself quite the basketball player there in Reggie Perry, and he'll be end up being a possibly a lottery pick. I mean, you might even have to be able to say the same thing about Robert Woodard. I mean, Mississippi State is starting to. We've gone from they look really good early to wow, they look really bad after Nick Weatherspoon gets here and the and the beginning of conference play, and now they look really, really good again, and their prospects are really, really bright. Look, they're probably not considered a team that's in, but they're getting close. Like I said, they just now need to start taking care of business. They can't afford 
to be let up. They can't afford a let up. They can't afford to be upset by some of these other teams. I mean, if you look at their schedule, here are teams that they cannot afford to lose to. They cannot afford to lose to Vanderbilt. They cannot afford to lose at Ole Miss. They can't afford to lose at home against South Carolina. Can't afford to lose on the road to Texas A&M. Can't afford to lose at Missouri. Can't afford to lose at South Carolina or home against Ole Miss. The only games that you probably have a little wiggle room is this Saturday against Tennessee, Kentucky next week, Arkansas on the 15th, and Alabama on the 25th. You probably have some wiggle room that you probably don't have to win those, but it would help. And that kind of brings us to our next point. You have a golden opportunity this Saturday when the Tennessee Volunteers come to Starkville. You have a great opportunity here to possibly pad your resume. Look, Tennessee's not a great team. They're, they're okay. They're not the Tennessee of the previous two years. I'll just go ahead and put that out there. Let me find what their net ranking is. Tennessee is 61st in the net rankings. So this would be a quadrant two win if Mississippi State can get it against the Tennessee Vols. They fell from, I think, in the 40s. I think it was where they were after they lost to Texas A&M on Tuesday night. And now they are, like I said, they're in the 60s. So you need to win this game. It's not. It doesn't kill you if you lose it, but it is a missed opportunity if you if you do. You got to find a way to win this game because it is a very winnable game. It's that's just all there is to it. There's no reason why Mississippi State should allow a Tennessee team that lost a lot of its production from a year ago to come into Starkville and walk away with a victory. They just they just shouldn't. Tennessee is currently twelve and eight in. Overall, they are four and three in conference play. And look, they're look, they're just not a very they don't score very well. And they defend pretty decently, but they are not a good scoring team. If Mississippi State, who is a one of the better defensive teams in the SEC, if they can just do what they normally do on defense and then, you know, Get, just get something offensively, they should be able to win this game. They should have probably, it might be close for a little while, but this is a game that once the, the game is over, Mississippi State needs to be walking off with a 10-point or more victory because that's, you, once you get the 10 points, you get extra points in the net rankings for having a double-digit victory. And Mississippi State could do that against this team. Tennessee just doesn't score enough. And Mississippi State sh- should be too talented for them to keep up. They just should. Look, they got four guys in double figures, but they're all kind of right there together. Uh, Jordan Bowden, Lamonte Turner, John Fulkerton, and Ives or Eves Ponds, they all average double figures. Uh, from jo- Jordan Bowden is the leading scorer at 12.7 points, and Ives, whatever his name is, Ponds, uh, averages 11.4. So those are the guys that you're going to be looking out for, but they're not very good from three-point range. They only shoot 30.7%. Mississippi State's a good bit better than that, 33.8, so almost 34. They're not really that great in terms of a shooting from the field, 43.2. Mississippi State shoots 46.2. Like I said, they're a good defensive team. They hold teams to 37.8% shooting, and they hold teams to 30.2% from the three-point range. They only give up 60 points per game, but they only get 66. Basically, they get points from five guys. Those four guys that I just mentioned and uh, – Vescovi Santiago uh, also averages 9.6 points for them, but he hasn't played that much. Uh, so, like I said, they get it from five guys. They don't have a whole lot of depth. If you can just kind of 
ride out their starters, then you're probably going to end up winning. Look, they they got some, you know, they got a couple of decent games. Uh, they haven't really played much of anybody in terms. Most of their wins are not against great competition. Uh, their wins are against UNC Asheville, Murray State, Washington. So, I mean, that's a Power 5 opponent, but I don't know what Washington has done this year. Alabama State, Chattanooga, uh, VCU, Florida A&M, Jacksonville State, Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Ole Miss. And like I said, there's just – even their SEC wins are against four of the bottom teams in in the SEC standings. Let me see if I can pull up the SEC standings real quick and see what those four teams that they've got wins are against. All right, so like I said, their their four wins in SEC competition have been against Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, and Ole Miss. Would you like to know the combined records of those four teams? Missouri's two and five. Ole Miss is one and six. Vanderbilt is zero oh and seven. And which was the other one? Did I say? I don't remember. Who was the other one? Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, South Carolina. And Missouri. Oh, South Carolina is the other one. South Carolina's four and three. South Carolina is the best of the is the best of the bunch. So four and three, South Carolina, two and five, Missouri. So that's six and eight. And then throw in one and six Ole Miss. That's seven and fourteen. Seven and twenty-one when you add Vanderbilt in. That's the combined record of the four teams that Tennessee has beaten in terms of conference play. Mississippi State, look, theirs are better. They just are. They beat Arkansas, who's three and four. They beat Florida, who's four and three. So that's five hundred right there. Uh, who else did they beat? They beat t- Georgia and Missouri. So those bring it down. But it's already better than what Tennessee's done. Look, you got to win this. Game. You need to win this game. Like I said, it's not a must-win in terms of being able to. In terms of being able to make it to the NCAA tournament, but it is a chance to to make some noise and enhance your resume even further than what it is right now that's what you have a chance to do now if you want to know what people are predicting i personally tend to like war nolan i think his predictions are are pretty close so let me see if i can find his predicted results and i have them uh war nolan is predicted predicting mississippi state to go 22 and 9 on the year uh, for the rest of the way through, he's got Mississippi State beating Tennessee this weekend, losing to Kentucky, beating Vanderbilt, beating Ole Miss, losing to Arkansas, beating South Carolina, beating Texas A&M, beating Alabama, beating Missouri, beating South Carolina, beating Ole Miss. Uh, what would their projected RPI be at that point? It would be 31. So that would be really, really nice. If you can get to 31 and have a – a 22-9 record, be 13-5 and five in your conference, you're going to be in the NCAA tournament. You're going to be in there solidly. You're probably going to be a 4, 5, or 6 seed at that point. So, like I said, as much as we have criticized Ben Howland, as much as we have been frustrated with this basketball team, this team is in a really good spot. They really are. And, it's, you know, I'll be interested in what they do on Thursday because I think they will win. I think they will win probably... Kind of close to what Warren Nolan is saying. He's saying 65 to 61. I kind of think Mississippi State's going to get closer to 70. I'm going to put them right at 70. 70 to 63 is what I think Mississippi State will end up winning this Saturday against the Tennessee Volunteers. And hopefully they will keep that, you know, will run their streak of SEC games to five. That way they got a, quite a bit of confidence heading into Tuesday night against the Kentucky Wildcats. Because, look, Kentucky's beatable this year, but they're much 
more they're much more beatable than they have been in years past. There's no question about that. So, all right, let's go ahead and look a little bit at the women's game. The women they just ended up they just wrapped up their game. They ended up beating Auburn seventy eight to seventy three, a lot closer than probably a lot of us would have expected. But Rakia Jackson is continuing to come on strong ever since her performance against the South Carolina Gamecocks. She goes for twenty two on ten of fourteen shooting. So she is playing really well right now. Uh, Jordan Danbury chipped in 13 points and six assists as well. I'm sorry, five assists, excuse me. Uh, so, I mean, the, the Lady Bulldogs, they're doing a really good job. It's interesting that Auburn was actually able to keep this game close. They, ended, they Auburn turned the ball over 24 times, but Mississippi State also turned it over 18 times. So I know that's not something that Vic Schaefer is going to be happy about, and it's going to be something that he's going to harp on to his team. But the only thing that really matters at the end is that Mississippi State does get the win, and they continue to roll on, and they should be in pretty good shape as they approach the postseason here in about a month from now. So, All right, one other thing I want to talk about, and that is the K.J. Costello situation. Look, there is no news on K.J. Costello. There's just not. Um, you know, I don't know what's going. I don't know if he's going to end up coming or not. A lot of people were hoping that this would have been resolved by now and it would have been settled. And I get that it's kind of causing some consternation amongst the fan base, but he's taking his time and he doesn't have to rush it, so he's not going to rush it. Uh, look, I think he's still probably going to end up at Mississippi State, from what I understand. I've tried to find the crystal ball projections. I know one person who is predicting him to go to Mississippi State changed his. Crystal Ball projection to Notre Dame. I haven't seen any others. I'm sorry, not to Notre Dame. It was a Notre Dame guy who changed it to Washington. Excuse me. But that's just kind of what we're waiting on. We're just waiting to find out. And look, here's the deal. They got some. They got there's been some other names out there. I cannot remember who all's uh, names are, are out there. My personal feeling is between one of the four guys, if they can't get KJ Costello, if they can't get one of these other guys that I've heard mentioned. I think one of them, one of the four, would be able to run the offense. I, I just do. I, I look. He, Mike Leach has had quarterbacks who are less talented than what he's currently got on on his roster that have made it work. Now, if he doesn't see the guys that are accurate enough, I, I, I get why it might be a concern. But I think you can make it work for this year. Between the four guys that are there, I think you'll be able to find at least one of them that can throw a halfway accurate football. And if they can, then that's all that really matters. But I know they would like to get K.J. Costello, provide a little bit of a buffer just to give your quarterback room a little bit of breathing room because you're in all likelihood going to lose at least two quarterbacks this year, whether it's whether it's Jalen Maiden and Katie Thompson. That seems to be the most likely choices. But it could be somebody else. I mean, that's always possible. But if you get a, if that ends up being the case where you lose two guys, if you can get a grad transfer in here, a guy who can elevate the offense and help the other two, allow the other two guys to come come along a little bit further, you just have to do it. And if KJ Castello comes in, I think they'll be in pretty good shape. I don't know that he's going to do it. We just don't know at this point. But like I said, I think Mississippi State. Feels pretty good about their chances, and you know we'll we'll see how things play out from here. I was like I was hoping that by the time I recorded this tonight that he would have made some type of announcement, but but he doesn't seem to talk to the media that much. 
because Mike Leach did have an, an in-home visit. I don't know exactly what time that was taking place. It could be going on right now because it's 7 o'clock. I'm recording this at 9.12, and it's 7.12 in, in California right now. So, I, like I said, I don't know how... I, I don't know when that visit was supposed to take place, and we don't have any idea of how it's actually going to go. Because, like you said, he doesn't talk to the media, so we're just kind of relying on what other people are telling us. But we'll see. Guys, I had planned to talk a little bit about baseball, but we're getting a little bit long. You know what? I might talk a little bit about it. Let me pull up the roster real quick, and we'll discuss, we'll discuss the baseball team a little bit here for just a moment. All right, so the baseball team, they are actually getting ready to start play in two weeks from now. Most of you will listen to this on Friday when I, when I end up uploading it. And, you know, the one thing that we're talking, that we always seem to have a, to be talking about when we get into baseball season is the bullpen. And here's the thing. We're always going to talk about the bullpen as being the weak link of the team because it's the weak link for every baseball team. That's why I don't get why people freak out about, you know, oh, they don't, I'm not so sure about the bullpen. I'm not sure what they've got in that bullpen. That's going to be the way it is for all baseball teams. Now, in professional baseball, it's a little bit different because they build their teams now from the back going to the front a little bit more than they used to. But... In college baseball, the bullpens are always going to be an issue because they're not good enough to be your weekend starters. So they go to the bullpen. So you hope and pray that you can get you know one or two innings out of them, and that's about all you can kind of count on, at least at this point in their careers, because a lot of them are your younger guys. But I think the bullpen will be okay. Scott Foxhall is a really good pitching coach. We saw what he did last year with the pitching staff. And I think they'll be all right. I think they'll find some guys out there that they can use. Now, one of the things that we have to figure out is how much they're going to get out of Riley Self and Spencer Price because those two guys were so good in 2017, but they've had arm issues, they've had injury issues, and they haven't been the same pitcher ever since. And the question is, will they get to a point where they are able to contribute quite a bit more? Because if they are, then you can have one of the best bullpens probably in the SEC, if not in the country. But otherwise, you're looking at some of these other guys as having to come in and step up. And, I, you know, I just don't know who all it will be. You know, Jack Egan could be one that steps in. He's a, he's a strong left-handed pitcher. He, at times, had, had some pretty strong moments out on the mound last year. You got some other guys out there that, you know, I just don't know who they're going to get their production from. Uh, I'm trying to find some folks. Let's see. Eric Sarantola is going to be a starter this year. At least that's the plan for now. It could change. You've got him out there, and you've got uh, Christian McLeod, who will be the other starter on during the season. And, you know, you're just kind of looking at some of these guys, and you're wondering, what are they going to bring? Look, what would have been great if Brandon Smith hadn't gotten injured? Um, unfortunately, he did, and that took him out of took him out of commission for this year. You know, will it be a freshman like Casey Hunt? Will he be one of the uh, guys who step, comes in and has an immediate impact? Uh, Landon Sims, Will Bednar, Xavier Lovett, those are all guys that are highly sought, thought of freshmen. But, you know, they're, they're freshmen, so how much are you going to get them? I, I don't know. And that's just kind of things that we're, that we're trying to figure out. Who is it going to be? I don't have any doubt in my mind that they are going to get good, cut, solid contributions from their bullpen. I just don't know who it's going to be at this point. they got a lot of talent out there. They've got good coaching. So I really feel confident that Mississippi State will be fine once February 14th rolls around against Wright State. 
and more specifically on February 21st, that's my birthday if anybody wants to send me anything. Uh, anyway, uh, February 21st against Oregon State. That's obviously the, the series, the non-conference series that we're all kind of waiting to see. So we'll take a look at some other parts of the baseball team on the early week edition of the show next week. We'll do it. We'll kind of do that periodically over the next two weeks until the baseball season starts because it should be a good one. It should be a really good uh, good season for the Bulldogs. They, Like I said, they're pretty much a consensus top ten. Whatever poll you look at, you'll find them there. And I think they're probably one of the top five teams in the SEC, possibly one of the top four teams, just depending on who, who you go by. So, All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Appreciate you guys tuning in. And as always, until next time, Hail State. <laughs>